Did you ever see Evolution? Yes, I did. Yeah. I love that movie. That's a good Have you movie. seen it? No. Oh, it's a so, good movie. <laughs> <laughs> what song does he sing in there? In Evolution? Yeah, when he's on the mic and he starts singing. I have no idea. It's okay. been a long time. It's a good movie, though. It's not bad, yeah. It's, it's a solid, like, 90s sci-fi Definitely movie. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, welcome, Casting Light. Podcast put on by Guiding Light. And we like to shed some light on a few things that we're dealing with here today my name is daniel i'm doug i'm ryan thank you both for joining us um doug's always here ryan this is your third appearance on this podcast you're becoming quite the regular that was the goal from day one how that was fan favorite i just made that up but how does it feel how does it bro down (laughs) how does it how does it feel to make it on a three? Just make it in general, because you're making it right now. You're making something. That's true. I know. Aren't we all making something, though? Um, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, I initially was going to pull up a bunch of Yelp reviews for rehabs in Florida, but I didn't do that. I did try to actually look some up. Um, I love how <laughs> it was two magnets the whole time. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's been in here for months. Well, now you know magnets stick to each other. Uh, but if you go to Yelp reviews, they say the it's like negative reviews. Then the organization will respond back, being like, "I'm sorry that you felt that way. Like, I would love to reach out to you and." Um, there were some bad ones. Yeah, walk us through what, because <laughs> that was the premise when we, th- when we were like, because we just need to get some episodes recorded. So Daniel was like, let's, what did you want to do? I wanted to, so me and Ryan listened to a podcast where they like review towns and they'll get like town reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, let's do that, but for rehabs. And uh, it didn't really work it didn't pan out it didn't pan out i mean i didn't pan it but um it i did find some in in florida that was like (laughs) and they always send you to a place called the gardens which i appreciate how every center tries to name themselves like something that's extremely like pleasant to the visually and you know hear it and you're just like oh the gardens and then you go there and they're like they had uh the like bars on the windows and all this other stuff and like drug dealers were dropping in drugs and people would like be like breaking windows to get out and get the drugs and i was like that's just that's florida for you awesome yeah well um i read i uh i heard about how uh florida has <laughs> like there have been there have been times that i've gone to rehab and uh, a lot of the guys would be leaving and they would be going to florida or california because apparently there is a big, apparently it's big business. Oh yeah, yeah. Not successful, but it not successful. I mean, money. it's kind of it's predicated on necess and kind of not being successful. Yeah, I mean, I've heard personally, uh, Daniel 
despises Florida. Um, not a fan of Florida. I've been to treatment Third in Florida. Third person you're talking here. I just want to make sure that they know that I, Daniel, yeah, d- do not like Florida. Um, California. I don't know why more people don't go to California because California is awesome. Okay. F- Florida's terrible. For rehab or just in general? In general. general. Okay. <laughs> have you been to California? I've been to neither. You've never been out of the state. I have been out of the state. What state? I've been out of this one. What right. state have you been in? <laughs> Um, I went to Boston. Okay, that I was very good. Indiana, not Illinois. A state. Hmm? Not a state. <laughs> so Massachusetts, we drove there. So I went through what New Hampshire, New York, Vermont. I was in Rhode Island for a little bit. I think you need to go through Vermont to get to Massachusetts. I think the way we took. I don't know. I was ten. This was twenty years ago. Yeah, I've been to California, but it was it when I didn't was, even happen. Uh, it's 10. nineteen years ago. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> give me. Four days. Okay. Well, really? We don't front time. The big 30? <laughs> the dirty 30. And 31 over here. Yep. yep. Dirty 30 and 31. It's nothing. There's no clever. Anyways, no, have just, you been to California? <laughs> I, I have, but when I was very young. Okay. Yeah. So not really. So do you know what the Baker Act... This is Florida. Going back to Florida. Did you know what the Baker Act is? No. No. So in Florida, they have a act called the Baker Act. Uh, where essentially it is a, if you have, I don't know, if you have something along the lines of like suicidal ideations or anything like that and you go into a hospital, they will hold you for 72 hours minimum. Oh, is that the 5150? Is that what it's called? It's called the Baker Act in Florida. Okay. <laughs> All right. Probably by some guy named Psychiatric hold or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, so if you're in Florida, like that's a thing that people will do looking for treatment of, they'll just go into a hospital and say those type of things and then they'll immediately hold them and then they'll give them medications while they're there. But when I went down there, so I had a friend that was like, six, you went down there for treatment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I had a friend in Florida that had found success at a sober living house and he's like, Hey, come down here. I'll get you in treatment. I'll get you into this house. It'll be perfect. And then it took me like two months because I was running around in Lansing. Uh, so then I finally get on a bus and about 30 minutes before my bus gets to Florida where he's going to pick me up, he's like, yeah, by the way, I have nowhere for you to go. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I've heard that like a big problem out there is that people like get commission for getting people into different sober houses and stuff like that. That wasn't my experience, but if, if yeah. it, the worst story that you can come up with probably happened in Florida. Well, there's another, <laughs> the, the whole Florida man meme is a thing because I think Florida has like different laws when it comes to publication, dis- disclosing yeah. yeah, something like that. So it's like, it's not like there aren't other people who are like, you know, yeah, but it's fun <sighs> to make fun of Florida. Sure. Um, <laughs> Do you like Florida? I'm completely indifferent about the state of florida you haven't been to florida enough have you been to florida no that might be why it's just one of those states it's just there for me remember when we were talking it's about what state could we just remove yeah florida no i i think ohio is probably my vote but it's that's or, fair or an or new jersey but <laughs> florida it's just not on the radar for me it's just there you know nothing against people in florida don't want to i have anybody. a thing against people in florida um <laughs> I don't. No, I did. Anyways, so pe- people in Florida, like, so when I went down there, they're like, oh, well, we'll just take you to the bakery. And they were like laughing as they said it. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. So 
sure, take me to the bakery. And all that meant to them was take you to the hospital and oh. be baker acted. <laughs> yeah. Did you, what did you literally think? I had no idea. I, I, I knew by the context of it that it's like, it's, it's not, an it's not a bakery. bakery. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so yeah, disappointed. you just go there and just, you just need dough until you get sober. You know, you always be like detox, sweating, just shaking and you'll just be needing dough. <laughs> And they'll be like, don't worry, Daniel, keep going. Walk in. There's no pastries here. Where's my Danish? (laughs) And, uh, but there was the stories I heard down there. People have been like, oh yeah, I've I've been to the bakery like 20 times. (laughs) And, but it was also the first place I went where we were like walking down the street and people would just pull up in the car and be like, Hey, what's up? And be like, literally the only time people ever offer me drugs is when I'm not looking for drugs. Whenever I'm looking for drugs, no one ever offers me drugs. But when I'm like sober in weird situations, people be like, hey, do you want something? I'll be like, no, I don't. I, the one day, you know? Um, and I was in Pompano Beach, which everyone called Pompton. Uh, like Compton. Yeah, I got it. You got it? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Palmton. Pompton. The irony is, and then people are like, hey, Daniel, like, by the way, don't, don't walk by yourself down the street. And I'm like, why? They're like, it's rough here. And I was like, doesn't look like it. <laughs> like every house is like $250,000. Also, you know how expensive it is to hurricane proof a house? I'm going to assume expensive. It's really cheap. It's not. It's really expensive. It's expensive everywhere. To hurricane a house? <sighs> to what? Hurricane proof a house? I think it's pretty cheap in Michigan. <laughs> I was just saying it's just expensive everywhere yeah. in general. Um, just to put like the, like the storm shutters and everything and all that, it's like 20 grand. But I mean, I guess it's against a hurricane. So, you know, might it's not, pro- it's probably worth it. Yeah. I might not want to look for sales. <laughs> um, so did you go to any other rehabs, Doug, outside of Michigan? I'm looking, oh, me? Yeah. Uh, no, I only went to rehabs in Michigan. I went to one in, um, I only went to one. It was. Yeah, only one like long-term sort of situation and that was in manistee okay and i had a very good experience there but you know i just wasn't ready no you know like i when you're in rehab it's like yeah of course uh, like i i was really willing to learn and, and stuff like that like i really want to like soak everything in and be like okay this is how i do this but you know once i got outside of that it's just yeah it didn't last long. I don't really want to change my behavior. You know, I just want to kind of learn about it. Well, the thing is with rehab is like, you know, all, all we're ever exposed to on when you haven't actually done the work that it requires to get sober. The only thing you're exposed to is like, Oh, people have a problem. Then they go to rehab and then they're fixed. And I just kind of assumed that's what would happen to me. Hmm. Like, you know, that's just what people do. And then I'd come out the other end of it as a different person, but be like, thanks. Yeah. Is Manistee pretty? It was very pretty. Yeah. Mm. I really enjoyed it there. Um, I have this habit of like, I just like, I just assign so much meaning to stuff. And I, I remember my first night there, the sunset was just so incredibly beautiful. And I remember being like, wow, this is really the, the first day of the rest of my life. You know, I'm finally going to get it because of the, because of the sunset. I'm like, this must be the universe telling me that this is it for me, you know? And it and, wasn't. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, I mean, well, that's the thing is that's my thought process is like, I just, 
life will happen to me and it will yeah. make the changes to me and I don't have to do anything. It yeah. could have been the first day of the rest of my life, but just me, just me seeing a sign and making that yeah. be the indication that it's over is, I feel, is not I enough. feel really good for this split second. I'm good. Exactly. See, I had a, I had a somewhat of an op- opposite experience. <laughs> I went out to California and I remember sitting in gorgeous Southern California being like, wow, Daniel, this is where drugs got me. And I was like, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did, I did a lot of, um, I got into native American recovery out there mm. and they let me go to the, uh, sweat lodge with them. They only picked a handful of people, people who were really serious about their sobriety. And no, they picked wrong on you, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I have been fascinated to, well, when I was there, I was in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was, I'd, I'd like to think that I took it more seriously than a lot of the people there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and then, but then when you got out of it, you were out of it. <laughs> I mean, I was there for me. Like I, I always, every time I would go to detox or I would go to treatment, I made it a point to drive myself there mm. and be like, you know, the, as an, as an external validation of the fact that I am doing this 100% for me, I don't have to do this. And it, you know, and I genuinely was doing it yeah. for me. But, you know, mind you, I wasn't paying for it, but like, but I don't think I ever drove myself to rehab once <laughs> and I went a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my thing. I'm like, look, my truck's out there. I could leave whenever I want, you know? Um, yeah, I wasn't even there 30 days. I was there like 28. Um, <sighs> if you could have just gotten that 29th day. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, I got it. I got this. I got this figured out, I guess. I, I, uh, I left, I smoked, I, I smoked weed the day I got out. Um, and then when I got back to where I was living in Ypsilanti, I, I was like, okay, I really got to, um, I gotta like find a way to like knock myself out and go to sleep. Cause that's, I mean, a big part of my drinking was yeah. like, I just, I, I want, I drank because I didn't want to be alive, you know? And when you're passed out, you're not you don't feel like you're alive or whatever. So like, um, you forget that you're alive. Right. Um, so I was like, I'll just get a bunch of cough syrup with the the stuff that makes you pass out with it. And then I was, so I was just chugging that. And then I look, Oh, 15% alcohol. Oh, well (laughs) that was like two days after I got out. So I didn't start drinking officially until probably a week later, but right out of the bat. I do remember the, I, I, Ridiculous. when I came back from California, actually, I was like, cough syrup's okay. Yeah. Robitussin. Yeah. I remember driving to a meeting off my face from Robitussin and reading like the daily reflections. Oh my God, <laughs> of course. And I just was just like, you know, completely out of it. Yeah. I remember that for a long time. It is so funny that... <laughs> You can think that that of all things is the thing that's okay. And I say that as somebody who just, I'm trying to, th- I, I don't remember if I thought that it was okay. I was just like, this is a thing that I can do. Yeah. And I remember seeing, cause I found a bottle of it in my, in my medicine cabinet when I got home and I was just like high school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that from high school. Like I can just drink that. Yeah. Justifications I, <clears throat> that we will allow ourselves to make. I don't even know what the justification. I think about that sometimes. Like, was I justifying or was I just accepting? 
What do you mean? Like, was I justifying that, oh, I can do this because it's not heroin? Or was I doing it just because I was like, um, I can do that. Like, yeah, that'll work. That's quite a, yeah. that's quite a conundrum. Mm. Conundrum. Um, I might have told this story already, but about when I was on probation when I was like 22, I, I had this, uh, I slept on a, I had this little like twin bed and like a little, <laughs> did I tell this already? Yeah. Oh, I'll say, I'll say it again. Whatever. It's a good story about how, um, I had a little crevice like next to my bed and my wall that was just filled with empty bottles. And then as soon as I got on probation, I was like, well, I can drink cough syrup. And then seriously, <laughs> within like, within like three days, like all the, like all the vodka bottles were gone, but it was replaced with empty, like Delsim and stuff like that. And it's just such, it's such a naked indication of just how much like, is that acceptance or is that, what was the other word? Justification. Justification. You know what I mean? I think it was just, I don't think it was either, but it was just kind of like, it, it's just, it's, it's just amazing how much like I can't, like I was really more with the alcohol being taken away and the drugs being taken away. I was so afraid of just being up in my own head without anything else going on that like I had to do something. I had to do that. You know, yes. I, I didn't even start drinking really heavily until I was on probation. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it was more for drugs anyway, so I only had yeah. to breathalyze once a once a week, and I I missed. <laughs> I remember I got when I they finally ended up. I missed so many drops that I went to court for it for a probation violation, and the judge is like, "So," you, and then I blew numbers like three days before my court court date, and the judge was like, "So." Daniel, you missed this day, this day, this day, this day, this day, this day, <laughs> this day, this day. And you blew numbers a few days ago. And he literally was like, but we're not here for that. And just totally like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's like, are you doing anything this weekend? I was like, I'm working. He's like, you doing anything next week? And I was like, I don't think so anymore. And so I had to spend a weekend in jail. Yeah. But yeah, if you ever want to see an interesting cast of characters going to uh in lansing it's adams is there like breathalyzing drug testing for the city um going to those places it's it's a show i just did it at the courthouse oh that's lame yeah what about you ryan never been on probation hmm no legal issues not yet <laughs> i mean i'm hoping the yets you've been to rehab yes how many times Four detoxes with a short term afterwards. I'm talking like, wait, the old TP twice, Pine Rust twice. Name dropping over here. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I went to Pine Rust. <laughs> and then this was my only long term treatment I ever did. Hmm. It's weird. I always thought you were like three years older than me. How old are you? 30. He's yeah. older than you. I know. I think I knew that. I only, I only found that out like a month ago. I know it's yeah. softball game. Yeah, and I think it's just because if people get sober before me, I just assume that they're older. I, isn't that weird? Yeah, like I thought, like you are older than me, but like, like not really. Six months. Like, yeah, we're all. I think we're all in the same grade. Like, when did you graduate? Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Twenty ten. Still amazing to me that you're you were to been a junior when I was a senior. Like that's still hard for me to wrap my head around, but. Yeah, like when I came to Guiding Light, like Ryan had already been sober for like two years. So I was just like, you're older than me, right? Because nobody could have <laughs> gotten their stuff together 
younger than I do. Before me. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I I think you naturally kind of, like, act more mature as you get sober. That's true, too. Damn right. (laughs) (laughs) No, we had one guy that was in our program. This is months ago. He thought I was, like, 42. Yeah. I didn't know how to handle it. Do I look 42 to you, sir? I've had people say I'm, like, 38. I've had people say I'm 24. I'm, like... Yeah. I haven't had people say I look older, but... You look like you're 58. Yeah. That's not true. It's an opinion. It's not a true opinion. I know you don't actually think that. No, I think you look about 30. Yeah. (laughs) I would say you look about 25, 26. Very Really? Okay. I hear that a lot. Probably same for you. Yeah. Thanks. Then again, my dad's like 60. Nope. My dad's like 62. (laughs) And like... I feel like age 50 to like 70 kind of all looks the same now. I feel like people don't look as old as they used to. No, you know I, I mean, unless you're like my, my grandmother's in her mid to late eighties. She looks in her mid to late eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom is not in her mid to late eighties and she looks like she's not in her mid to late eighties. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say how old my mom is. Okay. Respect. Love you, mom. I think our moms are the same age. Probably. I think we've been over this. We're basically brothers. It's weird. We're also. I do want to announce that we are going to be creating a uh, production, uh, production crew of. What is it? Oh, don't talk about this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. Let's hold off on the okay. sales pitch. We don't even remember the name. That's true. Um, so have you found any good rehab reviews? I'm looking at some bad ones for us. Well, so I did find, <laughs> I did, I don't know if this is appropriate to share. I, I was, I was oh, looking okay. through a gallery last week and it was a bunch of Amazon reviews of different stuff that were just hilarious. Okay. And I found an absolutely hilarious one about a bidet. Nice. And I ended up saving it. So I, I will, I will read it if it, if it pleases. Uh, no. <laughs> That's where you draw your line at the days. Yeah, those are, uh, I don't think our Christian audience would, uh, would appreciate talking about that. That's fair. It was hilarious. I'll show you guys afterwards. Yeah, I'm no. definitely, I definitely want to see it. Know. No, but I, I do think it's interesting of, I don't think, I don't think we have a Christian audience that listens to this, hopefully, but, uh, it is funny though, when it comes to reviews of its, and then, so then I looked at this woman that had reviewed the rehab in Florida and then they have like Yelp like profiles and then you could look at what that person el- what else she has reviewed and I was like I'm looking into this woman's soul right now what else had she reviewed yeah. she she seemed like a not very happy person in the world yeah I have to imagine people that like you have a Yelp account yeah. <laughs> like or that, or like they, uh, people will like review jails. <laughs> <laughs> I, which I think is pretty great. Is there, were there any good ones? I have never seen a, a review for jail. Oh. Um, I mean, there might be. The food in Shiawassee was great. Like, legitimately, the food in Shiawassee jail was great. I don't know. That's How many jails been. have you been to? been in two different counties but three different jails (laughs) because ingham has like their city jail and then they have their um like actual jail 
where they ship you off to. And then you get to ride in one of those little jail vans and you get to look out the window like, <laughs> again, <laughs> I, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what else I've looked at reviews for. So this is, this is a review for Guiding Light. Now, this is 2009. I'm going to juxtapose this with one, with one that is more relevant to now. Um, let's start with the old one here. There's only so much branding, marketing, and PR one can do. You can put <laughs> lipstick on a pig, but at the end of the day, it is still a pig. The Guiding Light mission has tried to revamp its image from the outside. Now all it has to do is worry about the minor business of entirely restructuring the organization internally. From my experience as a former volunteer, the board at Guiding Light Mission is corrupt and the leadership is corrupt. <laughs> Obviously, these are strong words, but just do a Google search of Guiding Light Mission. Anyway, it goes on. No, this, is, this is from what? 2009. This 2000. is 2009. I don't, I don't even think the recovery program that we, no, that wasn't even around no, until I mean, it's so some context would be like, this place was a, a now I wasn't around here back then. It was rough. Like, yeah. It was, this place it was, very rough. was a mess. Yeah. Um, here's some, here's one from 2018 guiding light has deconstructed the traditional methodology in serving the marginalized, the intentionality to communicate the mission, to share stories of transformation and to celebrate individual victories has confirmed the implementation of positive changes. I've been volunteering in the Heartside District of Grand Rapids for the past few years, and the reputation of Guiding Light is impeccable. So, Did you write that? <laughs> <laughs> 2018, I was still... Uh, oh, yeah, I wasn't even here yet. Trying to kill myself. I was here in 2018. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh. He's two years... <laughs> I didn't write it, but I was here. I'll give a lot of credit to anybody that volunteers and the, the, the hard side community is, um, there's a lot of great people that do volunteer here mm -hmm. that I remember I, uh, I did a very, very short and by short, I mean one thing of volunteering with an organization that I ended up walking the streets at like six o'clock to 8 PM, 6 PM to 8 PM. It was actually when I was still in the program. And then after I did that, I was like, there's was no it, way uh, they would let me do that now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, I really have a very greater appreciation for the people that do work here. So can we say who it is? I think the I Red Project? Yeah, 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 right. I remember I talked to you about that yeah. specifically when I was about, um, so I'd been sober probably four months, five months. I was still here. And I remember I called you to talk to you about like what my next move was because I was like, I was debating whether I wanted to work here and do that thing uh, or... I had it in my head like I wanted to be like a psych tech at uh, Pine Rest or something. I wanted to do something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and you gave me a lot of good advice about how like, yeah, I'd like that's what I thought too. And I wanted to like volunteer with Red Project. And then I figured out that's how I figured out that, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, I think that's really important. I mean, I think that's a really important part of like <clears throat> why the program here is structured the way it is because you've like more importantly then figuring out what you do want to do, you, you have the time to figure out what you don't want to do. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with somebody in the program after I had that experience and I was like, I kind of had a really weird feeling about it. Cause it's like, Oh, like this is what I wanted to do. But then I went out and did it and I did not have the same reaction. And it was yeah. like, yeah, not everyone's made for that type of work. Yeah. Like that's, 
totally okay. I remember when I was 19, I went to college for ironically social work, which I'm in now, but I went to a battered woman's shelter in Saginaw and I was like, nope. Like I'm at a much different place now in my life where like I would be able to, I also, I just wasn't in a place in my life at that time. I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't well enough to do all that stuff. But I remember going there and hearing these women speak and I was like, wow. Do you think you're in a place now you could handle that? Um, I don't necessarily think that I would want to work with, uh, survivors of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's the direction that I'd want to take. I, I'm more, well, like, not even that specifically, but I mean with social work. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm also in a place now where I, I have done things in my life that, it's, it's the same thing of like, I'm not going to, you know how many conversations I had while shooting up, uh, looking over to somebody and telling them how they should change their life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, or how this is, this is a bad idea or whatever it is. And yeah. they're just kind of chuckling at it. Like yeah. I needed to have, it's the same thing with if, if you're selling a new, if, if you're trying to let somebody know there's a different way of living, you better be also living that different way. Yep. And I was going to Saginaw, <laughs> going to these, this battered woman shelter and all this other stuff. Like while I was that was the first three to six months of my yeah. heroin use. Yeah. And I just remember being in class almost every night being like, I'm going to leave early now. <laughs> yep. So it wasn't in the best place. No, no. And you aren't really trying to hear from people that do that either. If any, like if the person who's do giving what? me advice, like not just an active heroin user, but like, it, like when you're in a bad place and somebody's giving you advice, um, it can, I'm not saying this is the right or the wrong way to approach this, but when people were giving me advice, I would look for any excuse to invalidate anything they were telling me. You know what I mean? So if there's something that I could justify, like what's this heroin addict telling me to do with my life? You know what I mean? Or just anything. What's this, what's this person who he doesn't, uh, his, one of his buttons is it's undone or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I'd look for any excuse to, so you should be living, if you're going to be giving people, if you're going to be trying to help people, you should like kind of have your affairs in order too. Yeah. Or at least be actively, really actively taking part in your health and your well being. Yeah. Cause yeah, the, the last thing I, I've just had so many conversations and it's just, you know, you, you kind of chuckle about it in the moment. Cause it's, we know, we kind of know these things, um, but it takes an outside perspective to, to shed the light on your own behavior. And then also a role model to be like, Oh, that's what it's like to actually get through a good day. Or that's what it's like to actually get through a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was going to ask something, but when it comes to people who, um, what were we just talking about? About people who, like to like I'm thinking of the image of you on the couch shooting up and then giving people and then giving people advice. There's a lot of that around here. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, Ryan? Yes. <laughs> there is. I always think that's so funny. The guys come the guys are in here for like a week and then they're like helping people out on their fourth step or something like that. Because I did one nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is about I don't know. I think it's a common thing. Because all three of us already, well, from what I do for work, it's pretty obvious. I like working with people. Doug said he wanted to be a psych tech at one point. Daniel 
went for social work and is now going for social work, all that stuff. I think it's normal for people in early recovery to be like, I want to work with people in recovery. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to save them. And they don't, they don't realize. And I, I don't know necessarily what it is, but I had that same thought, Yeah. but I kind of told myself, I want to be two years clean and I'll reassess this idea. And it worked out as soon as I hit my two years, I got offered a job at the jails. Yep. Um, but I think it's just, common for people in early recovery to want to work with other people in recovery it is i did that i mean i mean it's also like the the problem with me was like i don't see any other way like how do i do something different and not go back to like the type of work that i used to do which is what i didn't want to do you know and i'm like well what do i have that's uniquely skilled or like i guess i don't really have anything but i'm in recovery so i guess i can help other people i mean that's kind of a I see a lot, I, you see a lot of organizations take advantage of people that way too, where it's like, Hey, you want to like, <laughs> I mean, not just us, but like, you know, but it, the whole, the, like every, once again, I guess I've only been in one actual like long-term rehabilitation program before, but like, yeah, a lot of the staff of, of those places went through there before and stuff like that. And, um, I always call it a, kind of a racket of getting other people in early recovery to be recovery coaches and you don't pay them much and you know what yeah because <laughs> it's all we think we can do in in early recovery is just like well i guess i can because that's exactly what i thought I was like i can help other people i guess <laughs> which i mean i <clears throat> Every rehab I've ever gone through, I looked at the people that went through the program and then worked there, and I was like, I hate you. Well, yeah. I, I just hate you for being that person. Look at you now. Look at me now. Mm. I know. And the same, to go back to the point of you need to find out what you don't like, I did. I went through all these things. I applied for jobs that I then had no qualifications for. <laughs> um, went back to machining. You know, was mm -hmm. successful in machining. I made good money. I, I was promoted and all these other things. And every single day I went to work, and I was like, I hate I hate this job. Yeah. I don't want to do this. And yeah. I took a huge pay cut to go do something that I actually enjoy doing. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that we hear that all the time. Of, I just want to work with people on it. And it's like, uh, I know like we literally did that though too. Oh yeah. Me too. That was my, that was before, I guess what I do now just kind of, I don't want to say fell into my lap because I think, you created I, I, your role I have here. To, I have to own the agency that I have in my life, but like, um, that's totally what I thought my next step. Like I said, like I, I'll be one of those, one of those people that that you know uh, woke me up at two in the morning at Pine Rest to take my blood pressure or something like that. You know what Worst. I mean? Worst. Um, because I just I I knew I didn't want to go back to like you know waiting tables or working in factories and stuff like yeah. that. So like, that was kind of like the only option I could have thought of, you know and. Um, I think it shows a lot of foresight on your part, Ryan, to be like, I'm going to wait till I have two years before I start contemplating doing that. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if, if like given a chance when I first came in and they're like, yeah, you got like 30 days, like you want to work here, I would have taken in a heartbeat. Uh -huh. Yeah. But I do think after the four months and going off to achieve and everything and talking with certain people, 
it was kind of like, you know, I had, I, I, I remember the first time I went to detox, I met my first recovery coach and I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and that thought just like stuck with me. And then I think, I'm not really sure what it was, but by the time I actually came to look for work after here, um, that thought had kind of left my mind and it was kind of always there, but I wanted to make sure I actually could practice what I was preaching. Um, and that I could back it up. I didn't want to be four months sober and being a recovery coach. And I don't know anything. It's great what we set up here, but you have to actually put it into practice and yeah. kind of get some repetition in the real world. I want to make sure I had some of that. What was it like working in jails and stuff like that? I guess I never really knew what you did. So I, I was a recovery coach or peer support specialist. Um, <laughs> And I worked there's with so many, there's so many terms for the same thing. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the difference. There's okay. a difference. Peer support specialist also specializes in mental health support, mental health and addiction, whereas recovery coaching is just addiction. So that's that. Um, so that's what they told you. Huh? That's what they told me. I never <laughs> got certified. I got as a recovery coach. But anyway, um, but no, so because of COVID, I was working with prisons, so I couldn't really go into the prisons. Um, so everything was done via Zoom. I'd work with people three months before they were paroled and then six months after parole. It would just be like um, Microsoft team sessions and somewhat similar to what Daniel and I probably do now, a little bit different, a little bit more structure. They would be like, hey, you have to pick these 11 topics to go over. You get to pick whatever you want to do. I had a lot of worksheets, all of that. And then when they got paroled, there was a lot of helping them get set up at like a Suboxone clinic, find housing, find employment, get set up for Medicaid. Suboxone after they got out of jail? Were yes. they getting it while they were in jail? So not in the prisons. Okay. The, they were just working on making that accessible to people in prison. It's mm -hmm. been accessible in jails, but not prisons. Um, and if someone is a you know, heroin addict and they get released from prison. Um, a, their tolerance is way, way down if they actually haven't been using in prison. Right. Um, so if they went and used the same amount, even if it was actually heroin, there's a very high likelihood they'll overdose. Um, if it's fentanyl, much higher likeliness that they'll overdose. Mm -hmm. So we usually set people up on Suboxone and then they could just use that for the first two or three months afterwards. So that way there was way less risk of them just going out and using. Did they have to use Suboxone? No. Okay. It was up to them. Mm. But most of the people I worked with chose to go on Suboxone yeah, for I a little have, bit. probably. And I would have. <laughs> a lot of them used it appropriately, which was cool. Yeah. Okay. I, had, I had a couple of guys that went through the whole Suboxone program and some of them did it six weeks and they weaned off and that was it. Some of them did it for or the full like six months I was working with them. Yeah, there is, it's, there's so much gray area when it comes to, to medically assisted treatment and harm reduction, all the other yeah. stuff that it is, it's a very, uh, as with any form of recovery, if, if used well and properly, it can be really beneficial for mm -hmm. your life. And I think the thoughts around like harm reduction, I think are where a lot of people get strong opinions on it because mm -hmm. if you don't know the actual design behind it, yeah. it can seem counterproductive. Yeah. Whereas I did a lot of community 
outreach at my last job and i saw the benefits of that harm reduction if you have someone that's not ready to quit okay how can we make this safer so that you get Mm. to a point in the future where you're either going to accept treatment or hopefully stay alive long enough to get sober and that's kind of the point of harm reduction but a lot of people just see as you're just enabling it's like no giving someone clean needles is not enabling no it's making they're if they want to get high they're going to get high Mm -hmm. so let's make it safer for them I think a lot of people don't don't view it that way. Certainly shouldn't just throw them in jail. No, I know that would have put you out of the job, but yeah. <laughs> we're all about job security here. <laughs> but not now. No, it is the here we try to prevent people from going to jail. Yes, yes. Ultimately, the in Michigan, so Michigan syringe laws are it's different state per state, but. Uh, so Michigan, any pharmacy can sell you syringes without a prescription. It's up to the pharmacist. So like I've had, even that's insane. I've had, I've gone into, <laughs> I've gone into pharmacies to ask to buy syringes and a, it's, it never got easier. It was always such a weird in Illinois, very different in Illinois. They don't care. They just like, I need your ID and you just write your name down. Here you go. It's super. It's, it's so nice. Michigan, you're like, I don't know what this far. I don't know this pharmacist. Like, yeah. you might have a weird conversation. That sucks. And I had this person like, well, what are the needles for? <laughs> for was, my cat, it's diabetic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> and I was, I was with my buddy, and I was like, you know what? Never mind. Like, I'm not gonna go. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm gonna sell you the needles, but you're gonna have to listen, listen to like my spiel about uh-huh. um, bloodborne diseases and all this other stuff, and. I, <laughs> I put my arm around my buddy and I was just like, don't, it's okay. We know. And I thought it was hilarious. She did not find it funny at all. Um, and I, I've had my friend, he, he's passed away now, but he's gone into places looking to buy syringes and they're like, we know, we're, we know what you're going to use them for. We're not going to, and he would literally pull out like this jagged, just gnarly used rig and be like, this is what I'm going to use if you don't sell them to me. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's just a very like sad, sad place to be in. Yeah, I think all <laughs> drugs should be legalized. Hot take for me. I was there. Gonna say- <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, it, it has been an interesting. Uh, I don't know if it'd be a, a social experiment, really, with some of the other countries that have. Mm-hmm. Um, w- we could definitely do work on on how we approach it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how much I should actually get into my actual opinion, but like that's why I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't know. But there there and there are a lot of systems that we currently have that 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 help a lot of people, but could could support more. Um. And that's like what. It is. It is cool that Gotti Light doesn't have the insurance barrier. Yeah, like right. that is that is that that's mind-boggling <laughs> good, to me. Good save. Thank you. That <laughs> 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 is like all all these barriers for yeah. getting into places and and uh, yeah. I mean, it's important that there's a large array of resources because one place cannot realistically support every single person. No, I've talked a lot to my spiritual director about, you know, like being efficient, effective and appropriate. And I've been thinking a lot about the appropriate part of like, we're good at a, B and C, not 
D, E, and F, it would be inappropriate for us to try to support somebody that has D, E, and F when we're, that's not what we do. That would be inappropriate as an, an organization to try to go outside of our scope when we don't have the resources mm-hmm. to support those people outside of the scope. What, what would be outside of our scope? What do you mean? Um, severe mental illness. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Severe mental illness. Um, the same thing with, so Guiding Light doesn't, we're next to a school, we can't have people that are on the right. sex offenders registry. Right. Um, the, if, if you're looking for, we, we can't help a hundred people. Mm-hmm. We, we like to be able to invest in the guys that we have the same mm-hmm. thing. Of, I would rather give 20 people $5 than a yeah. thousand people a penny. Yeah. And that's kind of against, I think that might be against kind of what some people might think of it it is it's against like it's against the sort of like chair like widespread charity model what people think that's supposed to be like you're supposed to help a lot of people and it's like well if you're helping a lot of people but not giving any one of them the resources they need to um like in our case actually build a life a sustainable life yeah that's worth in our case, staying sober for, uh, yeah. or you're supporting your family on or whatever like that. Like if you're not giving somebody the actual resources and tools they need to improve their immediate situation, then it doesn't matter how many people you say you're helping. If you're not helping yeah. any one of them and it's not, you know, yeah. so it's like, we would much rather, I do agree with the way we do things where it's like, we would much rather give 20 people all of the actual stuff they need to really get ahead and sustain themselves and and become somebody who can give give back to the community instead of always yeah. taking from it you know and there there are plenty of reasons and that's why again like heartside has a lot of organizations that do a lot of different things mm-hmm. and i think and because people do need to eat like they do have those fundamental yeah needs that that they do that mm-hmm. that we need all these things and it's it's I appreciate the fact that we have our resources that we fit in, but at the same time, yeah, I would, I would rather really get to know somebody and invest in them than see them once a week yeah, and kind of check in and does that have a place? Yes. Yeah. Is that what we necessarily do? No. And it's the reason why like we, you know, at least for now, um, are only able to help men, you know, um, we're, we're, we're into two things. Okay. Getting ripped and saving lives. Okay. And men. And men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how much I should say, but I think we're going to have a women's program at some point in the future. Yeah. It's, I think, I think we're, I think we're in the process of pivoting as an organization to being only helping with substance abuse treatment and for now, uh, all populations but i mean you're right when you say you need to answer that kind of okay hey Ati. hello yes uh. yep Yep, I'll be up in I'll be up in a few minutes. All right, bye. I don't know who that is. <laughs> what? He said, or is this paused? It, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, he's like, oh, I have somebody up here, Demont Smith. Huh? Demonte Smith. I don't know who that is from. 
I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know no Demonte Smith. I know a Demonte, but I don't. He's not from like. It sounded like she was gonna say from Kent County, like. Whatever. I'll go talk to him a little bit. Are we still recording? Yeah, but I'll okay, gonna, yeah. I'll cut all that Damn. out. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, I, I think it is cool that we're in a position where we can best support the people that we, at least in our experience, can support. Yeah. You can't have, like, it, like stay in your lane as a, is like, there's so many other organizations in this, in this area that are helping people. And so it's yeah. like, you don't want, uh, what is it? Re- not redundancy, uh, duplication of services. Yeah, or you an know. oversaturation. Yeah, you know. Um, sounded smart, right? Yeah. Sounded yeah, smart. I mean, but you, you, you know what they say. Like, it doesn't matter which way the waves blow. Sometimes the car is not going to start. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter how many bricks. It doesn't matter how high you stack the bricks. The If if the sun isn't going to set, then, then, you know, the grass isn't going to grow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Do you have one, Ryan? I will not be contributing <laughs> to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Is that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you for uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in to uh, our worst episode ever. No, no, I, I think we've had worse. We've um, definitely had worse. Yeah, but the, that was a good one. Is this the second or the? This is the. Is it? Is this the second Brodown episode? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan, thank you for being a three peat. You know. Uh anytime yeah um if you want to check out uh anything about guiding light or the resources that guiding light offers you can go to guidinglightworks.org um i know that doug has some of the information in the show notes and i appreciate everyone that does tune in and listen and thanks for checking us out cool thank you bye bye